Well, if you would, if you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to read verses 9 through 14. The scripture will be projected on the screen as I read God's word. Hear now and respond to God's word. Luke 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. May God give us grace to both hear and respond to his word. Prior to telling the parable, our guide through this gospel, the physician Luke, informs us by providing us the intent of the parable uh, before it even begins. Look again with me at verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So, to whom is this parable directed? It's to those who trusted in themselves to be righteous enough for God. Now, last week we noted that the audience of the parable about praying and not giving up was directed to the disciples. And we don't see any information in the verses in between here, obviously, that the, the audience had changed. However, given the nature of this parable, it would seem likely that there were others who were within earshot of the telling of this parable, like the Pharisees, like others who may have thought that by their religious performance, they may be justified by, by doing enough religious deeds. And so that appears to me to be the audience to whom this was directed. Now remember, remember that, that Judas was among those who were present in the disciples. And so maybe it was simply for Judas. We don't have exact information on that. Here's what we know. Here's what we know, that there are people who are trusting in themselves and their own understanding of righteousness to feel pretty good before God. And Jesus goes on to illustrate through calling this the story of two men at a temple. So two men are the subject of this parable. They are headed to the temple to pray. That's a suitable and unsurprising location for prayer. So, so far, so good. But what was surprising was the contrasting difference between the two men coming in for prayer. So the Pharisee, exhibit A, the Pharisee would have been well received as he was taking his rightful place in the temple to pray. That, that, that would not have raised anyone's eyebrows at all. The tax collector, however, who would have been despised 
by all, was seen as a national traitor among people, that would have been quite a surprise. People would not have expected a tax collector to show up at the temple to pray. They, as as the original hearers heard this story, they might have, when they heard the Pharisee in the temple, like, okay, that makes sense. When they heard tax collector, they thought, what in the world would a tax collector be doing in the temple? And on top of that, what would a tax collector be doing praying? Well, let's unpack this. Let's unpack this by looking first at the Pharisee and the way of self Justification. The Pharisee, in the context of the day, again, respected, a Bible scholar, someone who's known to, to be around the things of God. This would be a man that, that when you walk down the street, you would kind of make your way for him. You let him through, holy man coming through, that kind of a thing with this Pharisee. So he's there and he approaches this place in the temple. And he stands there. And if we pay attention to the things that we pray, we begin to wonder, is this guy even praying to God at all? It more seems like a praise fest of himself. See, he's he's outlining for God all the reasons why he is so acceptable to God and why God should be so thankful to have him on his team. He lacks humility. And instead, there is the presence of self Justification. Let's read his words again. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So there's this recitation of all of the reasons that God should fall on his knees and say, oh, I'm so thankful to have you, Pharisee, on my side. You're so amazing. He was filled with a sense of his own justification. See, that's, I think, why Jesus got so frustrated with these Pharisees, because they missed the whole point of his coming. You know, wouldn't it be justified if Jesus went up to the Pharisees when he was speaking like this, and, and if he, if he would have said, you know, you guys, if you thought you could save yourselves, well, then I don't need to come. But you can't save yourselves. I don't care how much you tithe and how much you, you fast. You can't. And Jesus, as he tells this story, he's trying to connect with people who are self-justified. They thought they were fine before God because they go to church once in a while. And they might write a check to good things once in a while, thinking that through those things they are justified. Jesus says, no such luck. You can do all kinds of religious things like walking into the doors of this church. But if our hearts aren't humbled before him, then it doesn't mean anything. And that's what he's trying to connect with the hearers of this day. See, these Pharisees, let me talk about them for a moment. They thought that through their observation of the law, that they could justify themselves. But see, the law wasn't given to heal the sick, but to reveal the sick, right? That's why the law came. It revealed the fact that we were sick, kind of like an x-ray machine at the doctor's office. Right. You can you can look really good on the outside and you walk into the doctor's office and they put you in under an X-ray. And all of a sudden, 
other things come into the picture. What is on the outside is no longer so clear because what's on the inside is revealed to be death. See, the law wasn't given to heal the sick, but to reveal the sick. On the, the, the outside, this Pharisee, he looks good. So it's kind of like, if you will, him going into a doctor's office. And in this doctor's office, he goes to tell the doctor what the case is. It's kind of like him saying, look, I'm doing spectacularly well as he approaches God. I'm not like all those other losers in the waiting room out there, those extortioners and those tax collectors. I'm not like those losers. Hey, I eat all the right food. I'm doing my exercise three times a week. I'm in bed by 9 p.m. every night. I'm getting my 10 hours of rest. Lord, you don't need to deal with me in any way. That's what he's basically doing. But in the process, what he's not allowing is for the great physician to actually address him. Because the great physician would actually lean over and put a stethoscope, however you say that, stethoscope, over his shoulder, and he leans forward and said, actually, though you do look fine on the outside, your body is racked with cancer. Your body is racked with a disease that will kill you. And if you don't take the remedy that I have to offer, you will die, and your death will be forever. See, in his self-justification, he didn't have time for God's remedy because he wouldn't even be willing to allow the law, which was intended by God again, to help us see our desperation for God, that we could never fulfill the law on our own. He used that as a means of justification rather than what God intended it to be, which was a schoolmaster who took our hand and carried us to Christ. Because when we see God and when we see his law, we say, who could do this? The Pharisees said, me, I can do it. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to do everything just right. Jesus, you didn't need to come because I'm here and I am the way of self-justification. That's exhibit A. His self-righteousness was so before him, he thought he could earn his place in God's kingdom that he didn't need a doctor. Jesus said in Luke 5, listen to what he says. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I've not come to heal those who don't think that they need me. I've not come to call those who think that by their own doing they are righteous in themselves. I've come to call those who are poor in spirit, those who recognize their own spiritual poverty. These are the people that Jesus came for and this Pharisee was missing it. Exhibit B, the tax collector and the way of humility. As I mentioned a few moments ago, tax collectors were viewed as national sellouts. Why? Because they would work for Rome. They collected Roman taxes. They lined their own pockets with the profits that they over-collected. 
And people, I think it's no exaggeration to say, people seethed at them because they hated them. They worked for the enemy. No father sitting around with a, a group of other men like, yep, you know what my son does? My son, he's a tax collector. No one would do that. Mothers wouldn't proudly talk in the mother's group that, hey, you know where my son aspires to be? He aspires to be a tax collector. Nobody ever said that. Tax collectors were despised. So the shock value here, if we can try to grasp it just for a moment, was huge. Jesus was saying, hey, that which you think is holy and righteous actually is not the case. That which you think is despised, look at how he approaches God. And so we read again in verse in verse 13. But the tax collector, notice where he stands. He's standing far off. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, this man, he walks the path of humility before the Lord. He had a, a sense of great need and of all of God. He's, he's acknowledging his need that I'm a sinner in need of mercy. He's recognizing his own poverty of spirit. He's crying out to God for mercy and salvation. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He makes no claim to a righteousness of his own. It's like, it's crystal clear to this guy. I don't deserve to be here. Even the way he's standing, like far off, even in his body, he's suggesting like, I I don't deserve to be here, God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Do you see the contrast between these two? And Jesus, again, Jesus is seeking to communicate something, not just to those original listeners, But to us as well, he's instructing us on the way that we approach God. It really matters. Because if we come to him thinking that he's pretty, he should be pretty glad to have us on his team, then we've lost our way. Yet if we come being reminded of apart from Christ who we are, we are nothing, we contribute nothing, that is the way that Jesus Desires us to approach. See that this man, this outcast, this, this one that we would just want to be away from, this man exemplified the way that God wants us to come to him. See, the Pharisee is guilty and the tax collector is guilty, but there's a great difference. In the way they approach him. So how does the parable conclude? Jesus says that one of them goes home justified and the other not. And you might rightly ask, what is the difference between the two? Ultimately, here's what it all boils down to. It boils down to where they placed their trust. The Pharisee, where was the place of his trust? It was in himself. It was in his performance. God, I do this, 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 and this. I'm so glad I'm not like those losers. Whereas the tax collector placed no trust in himself, but rather recognized, apart from you, God, I am destroyed. Apart from you, God, I, I, am, I am lost. It comes down to the place where they trusted in the Lord. I want to list for you on the screen the effect of self-righteousness from this text 
before God. What does it look like? The effect of self-righteousness. It, it has the effect of pride. Do you know if you count? This guy says, I, five times in this really short little prayer. He's like, I'm so thankful that I'm not like, you know. And he, so pride is there when we approach God self-righteously. Contempt. This is the fruit of self-righteousness. It's contempt for other people. Not love. I mean, this man of all, if he was truly touched by God, you would think that he would be going and bending his knee toward the tax collector. But no, he's not been touched by God. He's not regenerated. Therefore, he stands proudly and points his finger at those regenerates, degenerates. And he says, I don't have love. He favorably compares himself towards others. He's, He's quick to judge. He's looking to be seen, not to lead people to God, but to himself. He's puffed up with his own spiritual achievements. And the result is he is unjust before God. Now look at the effect of humility before God. This tax collector has a sense of his own great need and awe of God. He's standing far off. He he doesn't believe he's worthy to come close. He acknowledges his need. He recognizes his poverty of spirit. He cries out to God for mercy and salvation. He's not looking to compare himself to anyone else. You know what he has his eyes on? He has his eyes on his heart and God's heart. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me. A sinner. He rightly estimates his own unworthiness before God. And what is the result? Jesus says so clearly, I tell you, verse 14, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And here's the point. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, God is on the lookout for people who are willing to humble themselves before Him, who acknowledge their need for Him, who say, God, apart from You, I can do nothing. And this man went down to his house justified. Now, to be clear, Jesus hadn't yet died on the cross for this tax collector's sins. But as we read the Gospels, what is true of the Gospels? That the shadow of the cross falls on the Gospels. The shadow of the cross. So so God knew that Jesus would eventually land on that cross and take this man's debt and wipe it clean by his death and resurrection. And so when we read that this man was justified, you might think, well, what was it that justified him? It was faith that God granted to him as he called out to God. Maybe this was somebody who knew that there was a promised redeemer and that redeemer was coming. He was simply putting his faith and trust in God to provide that redeemer. See, what God loves is a poverty of spirit. A humility because those who want to exalt themselves, they'll be humbled like the Pharisee exalted himself. But those who humble themselves before Almighty God will be exalted. David, the psalmist, writes it this way. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise 
See, God's looking for people who will humble themselves and say, Lord, apart from you, I can't do a thing. But with you, with you, Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life. So let me ask us, everyone in this room this morning and joining us on live stream, let me ask us this morning, have you ever confessed your deep and utter need for God's mercy like this tax collector? Have you ever come to Jesus and recognized your own lack, spiritually speaking? And have you, have you confessed that before him? And by confessing it, therefore receiving then the warmth of his forgiveness. Have you done that? Has there been that time when you have acknowledged your great need? I, I believe so many of us here have done that. And what, what a cause for rejoicing this is. We're going to sing a song at the end and here in just a moment that causes us to celebrate the goodness of God. But I want to ask you again, have you personally cried out to him in utter desperation? Because if you have not, dear friend, you will go home unjustified. And to go home unjustified means that the day that is your last, if you do not call out to your God, if you do not humble yourself before Him and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I receive you for the forgiveness of my sins. Then being unjustified means an eternity apart from God. God, God wants to impress upon you the severity of this moment. Do not leave today without coming like this tax collector and simply saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, I pray that you would. I pray that you wouldn't trust religious trappings saying, hey, what are you talking about, preacher? I grew up in the church. Doesn't matter. I grew up in a Christian family. Doesn't matter. Have you, have you expressed your desperate and great need for God's mercy? Because just because you've been around it doesn't mean you're a part of it, just like this Pharisee. These guys actually wore scripture on their heads in little wooden boxes, and yet they were unjustified, or at least this one was. Yesterday, uh, a lot of people gathered at Lighty's church to say goodbye to my wife Julie's dear uncle, Uncle Norm Weiss. He was a part of this town for many years. He came from northeast Philly. He was, as Pastor John Niederhaus said in the opening comments, he said, I've got four words for this guy, a piece of work. And he, if you knew Norm, he was a piece of work. I met him 28 years ago, and uh, right away he welcomed me into the family. Niederhaus went on to say he's a piece of work, not in the way you might be thinking, though he was. He's a piece of work of God's amazing grace. And we concluded our time yesterday at Lighty's Church singing this great description of a man who grew up in a context where it was pretty tough. 
and yet one day bent his knee to his Savior, just like this tax collector, and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know this song, but I want to choose just one verse. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole of it, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Can you imagine this tax collector going home justified? I'm not worthy of you, Lord. I would be right to be judged. You would be right to throw me out of your house. He went home justified. All of his sins forgiven. Praise the Lord. We have that same opportunity this morning. To praise the Lord. This glorious thought of not just the sins you committed this week. Not just the sins that you committed this year. But the sins that you have and ever will commit. If you are found in Christ this morning. You can say the very same thing. Oh the bliss of this thought. All of my sins. Forgiven. I'm redeemed. I no longer have to be on this treadmill of some kind of spiritual performance. Because God has performed for me. In fact... God has taken the robe of perfect righteousness that was on Jesus and he has placed it by faith on you and taken off your unrighteous robe, that which is stained with sin. And he put it on his own son and nailed that son to the cross so that we this morning can enjoy the grace of God's forgiveness. Oh, my sin, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not the part, but the whole. It's nailed to him there on that cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Dear friends, let us run to this Jesus. Let us exalt this Jesus. This merciful one, as we conclude, I want to call the worship team and I want to ask you to stand with me as we draw our time to a close. Lord, what's true this morning is we are just like this tax collector. Before coming to you, we were utterly lost. Before coming to you, It didn't matter what family we came from. It didn't matter our socioeconomic status. It didn't matter if we were raised in the church. It didn't matter any of those things. Before coming to you, we were lost and desperate. And we couldn't save ourselves. Before coming to you, maybe we were tempted to be just like that Pharisee. And say, hey, look, God, look at the great things that I'm doing. I go to church. I pray. I give. And yet we were not justified. Until we came and said, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner.
Lord, we thank you this morning that Jesus came because we could never keep the law. The law law didn't come to heal us. The law simply came to reveal our sickness so that we could receive the healing of Christ. And so we pray for our neighbors and our community today. Lord, we pray for people within us and outside of us who may not know this powerful message of forgiveness from Christ alone. Lord, give us grace to reach out to to all people with the message of this glorious gospel that you might be glorified in this place, that your, your kingdom would be built, that it would come, Lord. And we even pray, Lord, would you come? even as we are faithful to witness until that day. So, Father, we approach you now with great thanksgiving, with great joy. We are debtors to mercy alone. If it were not for your mercy, we would be lost. But you have been merciful. We praise you. We exalt you. We lift you up. Receive now this praise of our hearts, we pray and ask. And all people, all God's people said together, Amen.